One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, this is Nadine Dietz, host of CMO Moves. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thanks so much for stopping by today and to give you a quick overview on what to expect. CMO Moves is all about game-changing leaders, their incredible journeys, the moves that they've made, and most importantly, their personal stories of how they got to be the leaders of some of the world's most exciting brands. I hope you'll enjoy their stories as much as I do and take away a few tips and some inspiration for your day. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to CMO Moves. Today I am with Musa Tariq, who is the former chief brand officer of Ford. Musa, hi and welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Very oh. excited to be here. I'm so excited you are here too. <laughs> and I can't help but chuckle a little bit because I'm staring at you across the studio and this is the very first time that I'm actually recording in a legitimate studio, which uh, we're at Westwood One Cumulus Radio and you complained about my audio quality. <laughs> <laughs> you said, Nadine, you got to do something about your audio quality. Well, voila, here you go. It's positive feedback, I thought. Yes, it was. When looked, and now you've put me in this huge studio and I feel really nervous all of a sudden. <laughs> hey, you know what? Me too, bud. So <laughs> let's do this together. I'm wearing headphones that weigh more than my head. and uh, But this is cool. Super cool. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited. Yeah, me too. So let's jump in. Um, you, everyone's wondering, what are you doing? You left Ford and now you're doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Tell me about it. Yeah, so uh, I'm probably going through a uh, a really interesting transition in life. And it, it is fascinating, actually, how many people are curious about what I'm doing. I'm getting phone calls about, hey, Musa, what are you doing next? Or even just taking them through this process I'm going in. Um I left Ford about a month ago and, you know, it's the first time in my life where I've actually taken a minute out to think about what I want to do next. I've been fortunate enough to go from one job to another um, and always been in a situation where the call has come from a headhunter and, you know, I love my work so much. I've always finished on a Friday somewhere and started somewhere else on a Monday. Mm. So I've never literally taken this time out and I, I just wanted to focus on looking at every single opportunity out there. And I think it, we're living in such an incredible time right now where there are incredible marketers, you know, uh, Jonathan Maidenhall, Emmanuel, like saying these guys are like amazing at what they do and people I really look up to who are now actually deciding to leave marketing and do their own things. And so what I wanted to do was just focus on the white space. And there was a guy on my team at the very beginning of this year 
when I asked him what his New Year's resolution was, he said it's to focus on the white space. Mm. And I said, what does that mean? And there was a big whiteboard in my office and he drew a massive black dot on the whiteboard. And he said, if I told you to write about this whiteboard right now, the first thing you would do is focus and write about the black dot rather than the 98% of white space around it. And so what I've been doing is just speaking to people and really thinking about what, you know, there are obviously the marketing roles out there, but what else is out there? And it's interesting. It's um, there's so much opportunity for people who are looking for branding help, for people who are looking for communication help, be it in politics, be it in um, traditional companies, or there's celebrities who are looking for that help and how they can start working with brands. And, you know, it's just, it's interesting. And I'm just learning. I'm trying to do things that I wouldn't normally do. Um, I'm taking pottery classes, Ooh. which is really nice. <laughs> um, and I'm just learning, learning as much as I uh, physically possibly can and having conversations. And, and what's fascinating is actually <clears throat> the conversations I'm having tend to be so much more different from when you're in a role already because people label you as X. Mm-hmm. Whereas when you're just not having conversations about a job or anyone and you're sitting down with people, the conversation tends to go off in lots of different directions, which has been really interesting. Okay, so, so fascinating. I love this whiteboard with the black dot because you're right. People tend to fixate on what they see Mm -hmm. instead of what they don't see. So as you're going through this journey, you were describing to me before that you're trying a bunch of different things. And and now again, you just told me about pottery, which is cool. Um, I'm not sure where that fits into your master (laughs) plan, but like what are there specific things you're seeking out to experience? Yeah, wow. what an amazing platform to be able to share my future vision and dream of. Um, I, I think it's not as clear as I'd like it to be at the moment. I do know that I I think this this is the most interesting and fascinating time to be a marketer ever. Um, during my last couple of months at Ford, I was really curious and interested in learning about the kind of marketing organization of the future. And I spoke to so many CMOs, many of them who have already been on this show already, about their marketing organization. And it was fascinating that not one of their organizations look the same. And their strategies are different. And, you know, I I have a very clear vision now on what I think the, the future of marketing looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really want to find a company where I can go and kind of fulfill that vision, really. I'm different from a lot of the marketeers, right? My four job was my first C-level role. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was only there a year, so I'm very conscious that I haven't kind of made my mark at that level, and it's something that I really want to try and achieve. So I need to still prove myself. Um, and since I'm even fortunate enough to be on this show amongst some of my my peers who are like far more successful and, and incredible people, but you know I'm at that point now where I just kind of want to make sure that I still can prove myself at that level. And I, and then I think that the future of marketing is unknown, right? Mm-hmm. And so I'd like to try and solve that. So, wow. Okay. So I'm, I'm so tempted and I'm probably just going to do it. I'm going to ask you what you think the future of marketing looks like if you're ready to share, because so many people are going to want to know. <laughs> I knew as I was saying that you're going to ask that question. <laughs> and I, I, the, here's the thing is that marketing has become so bespoke to, it's, it's so hard to answer this question in a way that makes sense, particularly given I know what your audience is like. Um, <laughs> I think that marketing is, at a, a a point where it, in big companies, it's lost its North Star. I, I think the CMO role today is tougher and harder than it's ever been before because 
the scope of that role has grown, right? Mm-hmm. And, and as you know, this particularly from speaking to so many CMOs, every single one of their jobs differs. I still believe that the role of a CMO and its main focus should be the connection between brand and consumer, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And that might be at the product level. It might be at the communications level. Um, And and what I don't think that we've achieved or got to a point of is that perfect intersection of one-to-one communication and big moments, I think we try and straddle this middle ground. Um, I still think that there's huge potential. We've been talking about one-to-one communication from forever, right? Mm-hmm. I remember going to South by Southwest mm-hmm. 10 years ago and talking about one-to-one communication. We haven't still done it, in my opinion, particularly big brands. Like I think if you look at the smaller brands that are really interesting like right now, like Everlane, Away, Glossier, these guys have got to a point where they really understand their consumers so well that they can have very intimate relationships with them. I just don't think big brands have achieved this yet. Um, and, and I still think that there is value. And now with the introduction of AI and the introduction of all this amazing technology, I still think there's a balance there. And so for me, you know, I'm so adamant to go into a company and try and really figure out both the one-to-one communication, but then creating these big moments Mm -hmm. i I think i would like to find that balance there Um, and i'm not saying that that's the future of marketing Mm -hmm. i think within that you've got this incredible balance of winning big moments in time with very intimate moments Um, and Mm -hmm. that that mix for me is very important so incredibly interesting and you had brought up jonathan mildenhall before Mm -hmm. and um Great guy. Can't wait for him to be on the show too. But I remember us having a conversation was maybe a year ago and we were talking about culture and the culture of a brand and the communication of that brand outside to the consumers, which I agree with you is is super important. But if internally the culture is radically different than this brand proposition that you're presenting, it will ultimately fail. Absolutely. So how do you think about that in the role of the CMO? I fundamentally think that, you know, one of the reasons I joined Ford to begin with was because I had a very clear point of view. Mm-hmm. It was that, and this happens with most companies, is you get to a point where product becomes a commodity. And in my belief, um, when you're a car company that uh, appeals to the masses, mm-hmm. you now get to a point where your product is a commodity, right? Like the days in which you could sell yourself on price, um, safety, technology, how green a vehicle was, I think are gone. Because if you buy a brand new car today, chances are that it's going to get you from A to B Mm -hmm. and it's not going to break down or it's going to be as efficient as it possibly can. And so the difference for you now is minuscule. And so I think car companies for me and then why I went to Ford was because I was so excited at that them becoming a brand that was instilled in values. And the reason you were buying a Ford car was not because it was more green than another car or more fuel efficient than another car, because really the difference is a minuscule. But you were buying into that brand because of what it believed in. And I think when you think about the history of a company like that and the heritage and the DNA, there was so much of that that you could bring up. And it really started from within. You're absolutely right. I think everyone who will talk to you now about launching a brand campaign 
or a brand initiative will tell you that the brand needs to start from within. And, and, and that's, in my opinion, is kind of where you start really is, is what is not only the customer's perception of your brand, but your employee's perception of the brand. Right. And if they're thinking it's one thing and you're going out there and telling the world it's another thing, then that's where you have to really start. Um, but the secret for me is, is lean into what you're already known for, right? Mm-hmm. If you're going into a company tomorrow and they're known for um, being a, I'm just going to pick a color, but they're known for being a red brand, you can't make them a, a green brand tomorrow. Mm-hmm. You need to lean into what's good about being a red brand. Um, and I, I fundamentally think that the people in that company will probably already think something along those lines. You just need to tap into it and, and lean into what you're already known for. Right, right. So this is such a big topic. And, um, you know, on this show, we talk a lot about culture and the role of the CMO, particularly in helping to guide and shape the culture inside the organization. When you were at Ford, and and then maybe we'll talk about what you think the future might be on this, but how did you work or did you not work with like HR to yeah. really drive internal communications and really continue to drive that brand? Yeah heritage if you will i i think it was a it's a trifecta we you know the brand team worked with the comms team and worked with the hr team Mm -hmm. to try and bring those three things together and and i think it's one of the first time those three teams had worked so closely together was to trying to think about culture um but you know it's it's interesting because i also think brand and culture are two words where if you ask 10 different people what they mean (laughs) you get 10 different answers and you know i think they're everyone's description or opinion on brand it differs and mm-hmm. culture differs mm-hmm. i you know I, I i say that i was very naive when i went to ford in terms of what my my definition of culture was because having worked at places like burberry nike and apple my 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 perception on culture was simple as hey if i get along well with you it's a cultural fit Mm-hmm. Right. And you laugh, you, you you laugh, but that's all I'd known, right? right. Like the culture at Nike, Apple and Burberry su- surprisingly is pretty similar. It's an innovative, driven, creative culture. And so I felt like, hey, culture is like if I get along well with you. But I very soon realized that it wasn't just about getting along, along with people, but it's how you get work done mm-hmm. um, and, and how things operate in that organization and how you communicate ideas. Yeah. Um, that was the big difference. So Inherently, most people are good, right? Right. You can have a culture of good people. That doesn't necessarily mean it's a good fit for you in terms of how you work. Okay, so very, very interesting because this could go in like five different directions. Um, What would be a culture for you in your next endeavor? What kind of culture... Are you attracted this to that? Turn into an interview, Nadine. Oh, you know, okay. Our, hey, we'll go back. To, I've got more questions for you that are not work related. How about that? No, I listen. I I know that I, I what's right for me is to go into a company that wants to lead or is a challenger brand like that. That that is part of. I've learned a lot about myself going to Ford. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I have zero regrets. I was there for one year, right? And and that's in this day and age that's considered. Well, you weren't there long enough to do anything. Um, and it's not, I disagree, by the well, way. Uh, thank you. I appreciate that. But it, it's also one of those things where it looks bad in your resume, right, if you've only been there for a year. But I learned more in my year about myself than I had in the past 10 years mm-hmm. um, because I put myself in a very different situation, right? You learn in your uncomfortable moments. Um, and I learn a great deal about myself. I, I know what's important to me. I care too much. Like the reason, the reason you and me are sitting in a studio with the most incredible microphones and 
audio equipment is because I care about detail. <laughs> and so when when we were talking about your podcast, I was like, listen, I love them, right? You've had some of my heroes, Seth, Linda Both on, on, on your podcast, right? People I adore and love. Um, but the sound quality could be better. <laughs> and and here you are, you've totally delivered on that. And hopefully the sound quality is much better. But um, I care too much about detail. So I know that I want to work in an organization that is um, more creatively led, where people care. Uh, and that attention to detail matters. And, and also, more importantly, you know, working for a, a CEO who who understands marketing, that was a, that's really important to me. Because if I have a vision that's going to take a bit of a, a leap of faith and a risk, I need someone who understands that versus someone I'm having to educate. What's terrible, but also really good for me is I'm being quite selfish about it. I'm being very conscious and aware of knowing that I'm going to take some time out. And if I have to become an Uber driver, I'll become an Uber driver until I find the right fit for me. What I've really enjoyed about my time off is I'm spending time with companies and people who inspire me right Mm now. Um, I sat with Emily Wise at at Glossier and just listened. Um, I sat with people who were just doing remarkable things tomorrow. I'm going to sit with a guy called Tom McLeod who runs Omni as a company based here in San Francisco because he's doing amazing things in like the rentals and and, and storage space. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just find that this is such an exciting time where you can reach out to people, where you can connect with people in a way that you've never been able to connect before and learn. Mm-hmm. It's one of my biggest pet peeves is having people on my team who used to be like, well, but my manager's not teaching me or mm-hmm. I'm not being coached. And I'm like, well, you know, I watch a TED talk every week of my life, right? Mm-hmm four minutes of my life every week but without fail I, I'm educated right and I'm spending time and, and and reaching out to people who are far more smarter than me um, to learn as well and I think you can do that like that's what makes this world so exciting like go mm-hmm. onto any YouTube page and there's every interview with every single person in the world some of the smartest people in the world talking about what's important to them yeah, well, see, so I'm interviewing one of the most important people in the world right now who's talking about what's important <laughs> to them. <laughs> well, you're, you are. You're, I mean, in my guests, I'm so fortunate to say they are celebrities of marketing. They are, uh, yeah. You've achieved some amazing things in your career. What pivotal moments did you have along the way where you were like, ah, I'm going over here or, wow, that really made an impact in my life? So um, let, let me take you back a bit. I born and raised in London, as you can tell from the accent. I'm trying so uh, hard not to mimic you. It's, it's an unfair advantage because it makes you sound smarter than you actually are. <laughs> uh, and by the way, you can share bad news with people and it's not as bad. So. Yeah, and you can insult people They're really creatively really well. and they have no idea. No one, it's no one's offended. In fact, <laughs> you leave, it's, why, it's why my wife married me, I think. Um, you know, I was born and raised in London. I was adamant on becoming a banker. Um, and and the, the simple equation there was I wanted to drive fast cars. Um and as a 14-year-old kid, bankers made a lot of money and therefore I'd be able to buy lots of fast cars. And, you know, I that was my, my thing. And I, I, I sold flowers. Um, I sold fake IDs. I was the entrepreneur on the playground. You um, might get arrested after this. I just want to... Yeah, that's fine. I, I, I'm, willing, I'm willing to take that risk. But I, I, it, was, it was part of who I was, right? I, I didn't do anything other than sell fake IDs, which was illegal. Um, but... I was adamant on just doing that. And I didn't come from a wealthy background, so I needed to to earn money somehow. And I got to university and I somehow worked my way up to the London School of Economics. And I'm, I promise you, I'm not academically very smart. So I had to work twice as hard as someone else. 
And during that time there, I lost both my parents. Oh. So my father passed away at the beginning of the year. My mother passed away towards the end of the year. And it was the most pivotal moment in my life because when you've been through tragedy, you kind of self-reflect on yourself in a way that no one else has. And and to, to have both my parents pass away at one time gave me this moment of reflection that, you know, I look back and thank God for because it gave me this moment to think about like the world in a very different way in terms of how precious life was. And that's such a pivotal moment, right? University, when you're deciding what you're doing for the rest of your life. And I went to a talk and Martin Sorrell was speaking. And at the very end, I raised my hand and said, you know, Sir Martin, do you have any advice for someone who's a bit lost in life? And he said, do something you love in life and you'll do well in it. Okay, wow. So I'm going to ask you a very strange question. Go for it. Okay. If you could look back to when you were a kid and give yourself a piece of advice, what would it be? That's a very good question. So it's damn, it's not your your regular question. Oh, see, I had to throw you a curveball. <laughs> piece of advice. Oh, Nadine, why is this so hard? I, I think I could give myself a million pieces of advice. I, I mean, listen, I, I, there's one side of me which is incredibly satisfied with what I have achieved in life. Um, you know, I'm... I'm only, I'm still young and I've had incredible career roles. And I think I've learned something along the way in every single role I've had and every single moment I've had. So there's, there's way too many things that I've learned. In fact, I've actually, the good thing is, is that I've learned by doing and getting in trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, surprisingly versus someone telling me something, right? It's always, I've done something wrong and then someone's gone, all right, Moose, well, you did this wrong or, you know, you should think about this. So I've continued to learn by doing, mm-hmm. which is important. And, and, I, and I think that there are moments where I haven't had as much courage and conviction as I would like. And I wish I had trusted my gut and my instinct more. And, and, I, and I think that that's where I would have, well, that's the advice I'd give myself is like, really trust and 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 believe in your gut and intuition and and, and then fight for it um because i think when you're trying to convince people of change or you're trying to inflict change it's not easy like it, it's it's easy to tell people what they already know and and to guide them in a direction that they're already kind of suited in it's very difficult to change people's minds and opinions and so it, if you fail the first time don't give up and i wish there's moments in my life where i wish i hadn't given up Wow. Okay. Solid advice. And man, I, I feel the same way. So um, now for my usual question. Yeah. I, I, so I'm going to have to start mixing this up more if I now have a usual <laughs> question. But there is one I always like to ask at the end of the podcast. And I can see you nodding already. So you got it. You got it. I invite, to be honest, I knew the answer to this question before you asked it. But oh, Okay. So what's your favorite color? <laughs> <laughs> Kid. I only wear navy blue, but I will answer that question. Like, yeah, you're joking. You are head top to toe navy, navy blue. blue. Always. Uniform every single day of my life. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay, so that's your brand. Yeah. Okay. Well, that was really <laughs> my question, but that explains the navy blue. Okay. Um, if you were not, which, well, because this is kind of funny because I can't even phrase it this way anymore because you aren't actually doing what you were doing. <laughs> and now you're doing all kinds of other things. Uh, what would, what's your dream? Won't even call it job. What is your passion? What did, what would you be doing if money were no object? I want to redevelop education. 
Amen. Particularly for right-brained individuals. Yes. So I, uh, it, it's a well-known fact that the, the education system is built for those people with left brains, right? It's very, mm-hmm. remember this, remember that. It's pretty analytical, particularly in the UK. And I know so many people who are so incredibly smart who have gone on to do some remarkable things, who all st- struggled at school. Uh, and it was because they were being inspired or told to learn in a way that's not right for them. Like, I was terrible at school. I was really, really bad. And I had to work twice as hard as everyone else. But if school was more creative or uh, more interesting in that sense, I would have done really, really well. And I think there's so many kids today who are prescribed with things like ADHD, who are like you put a piece of paper and a, a coloring pen in, in front of them and they are focused as you can imagine mm-hmm. um, or a camera or a piece of technology and they're focused. So they're not struggling from ADHD. They're just not inspired. And so I would really love to think about rethinking education so that people who struggle in the current system um, can be inspired to, to learn it in a different way. Um, and I think that that for me is 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 like the ultimate mission for me um, and something I will try and, and tackle at some point. Uh, okay. But it's it's something that's really important to me. Well, that point might be tomorrow because I need to enroll you. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Right. All right. Well, cool. Um, so thank you so much for joining me for my inaugural professional studio recording with hopefully amazing audio. <laughs> it's It's been amazing. Can I, can I take a minute just to thank you as well? Like going through this process, I've just had to spend a lot of time on planes, spent a lot of time doing nothing. And I've literally listened to every single one of your podcasts. And Seth was on the first one, right? Right. And I was like, wow. First of all, he's a living legend. But second one, I was like, this is so good. No one's going to be able to beat this. <laughs> And yeah, it's just been great person after great person. And like everyone is dropping such incredible knowledge that it's been, it's it's inspired me. It's taught me so much. And like, I'm so grateful that it's now out there because I, I think this is, I'm speaking to every single agency person I'm speaking to is like, hey, everyone in your agency needs to listen to all of these. Oh. Everyone at your brand needs to listen to all of these because they're just full of incredible insight and knowledge. And I'm so happy that young people, have the opportunity to be able to listen and uh, listen to, to to people as amazing as the ones you've had on your show and I'm I'm flat I'm always flattered when I'm on anything that the same as Linda Boff because she's my <laughs> my life hero um that uh, it's it's a real honor to be here so thank you very much wow well thank you so much that means the world to me makes it all worth it and um I am so happy that I have been able to share wonderful stories like yours. Um, I'm just the vehicle. So thank you for bringing all your great wisdom. It's awesome. All right. Thanks. Thank you. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just a thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brain or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.